On this episode of Second Act, Corey and I talked to former professional basketball player Brady Heslip. Brady grew up in Burlington, Ontario and played high-level basketball alongside many Canadian NBA players who are now in the league, guys like Corey Joseph, Tristan Thompson, Kelly Olenek. Before he got recruited to play ball at Baylor University, where he made multiple all-conference teams and tournament all-star teams, and was a major success. After college, Brady played pro basketball in Europe. He bounced around a few different countries, Bosnia, Italy, Turkey, to name a few, and had some stints in the NBA Summer League in between. Brady retired basketball at the peak of his powers to go to MBA school at Queen's University as a scholarship athlete sponsored by the Canadian Olympic Committee. Uh, So he's a little bit earlier in his transition to business, but it's a fascinating discussion where uh, we talk about his basketball career, why he decided to walk away at a young age while he was still at his peak, and what it's like to be a pro athlete in business school, where it gives him an edge and where he needs to catch up a little bit. So we get to that and much more in our conversation with Brady Heslip on Second Act. Welcome to Second Act, a podcast about athletes reinventing themselves in business. All right, Brady. So uh, growing up, obviously you've got a, a lot of you know athletic influences in, in, in your life and in your upbringing but also a, a tremendous amount of, of business influences too um, you know as a as a young Brady growing up in Burlington what were your goals did you want to be an athlete or did you want to have have a career in business down the road yeah um, when I was growing up in Burlington it was I was you know infatuated with basketball I was you know, driven. And yeah, I would say probably around grade nine, I started understand, understanding the, the NCAA landscape, right? And a lot of Canadian guys were starting to make the transition going to the States. Guys like Denim Brown were, you know, had a very successful career at UConn and, and people in and around that era. So, you know, from, from the moment I started high school, that was my goal. I, I would, I would, you know, research the conferences, know what schools were in what conference, you know, ask people to quiz me on it. I just wanted to know everything about it. That's what I was infatuated with. So, you know, my mentality when I was that age was, was I just wanted to get a scholarship. Um, I played my, my high school basketball at Nelson. I didn't, uh, you know, travel around, you know, to the prep schools and stuff like that. At the time, you know, there was still high school rivalries and high school basketball was, was powerful in Ontario. So, um, the time I was done grade 12, I, I had some interest from some schools in the States, but unfortunately none of them offered me a scholarship. So I was going to go to Guelph. So my dad played basketball at Guelph. I had a great relationship with the coach there. I thought it would be a great place for me to go. Um, I was all set enrolled in classes. And then, uh, I played with a team out of Toronto called grassroots and my coach there, you know, convinced me to, to go one last summer, like chase this dream one more, one more summer, you know, guys who I played with like Corey, um, and Tristan and guys, um, they were away at these, you know, LeBron camps or whatever. Right. So it was really an opportunity for me to go with that team and kind of show what I could do in a, in a leadership role. Um, so I, I went with them and, after the first tournament, I went down there, played really well. We made it to the to the championships in a, in a tournament at the University of Cincinnati. Um, and in the car ride home, my phone just didn't stop ringing. So, you know, I had 
you know, interest from a bunch of different schools. And then I started getting offers that week. So, you know, really over the course of a week, my entire plan had changed. And it was like something I had been working towards for five years had kind of culminated into one week and, and really did happen overnight. Um, you know, and I, I think that that experience was unique for me because it was like, I was at the point where I had accepted I wasn't going to get a scholarship. I wasn't going to go to the States. I was going to go to Guelph and I was happy with that. I was like, you know, I'm going to be a star there. I'm going to play as best I can, try to win a championship, do all of that stuff. And then, you know, for the summer to to go the way it did and, and have these scholarships, it was like a dream come true literally over the course of one week. So, you know, from that from that point on, plans changed. I went down took a bunch of different visits. Um, my dad took me down and we, we visited these schools. Um, and, and yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how my path to, to the NCAA happened. Um, all the while when I was in high school, I was fascinated with business. You know, my dad had a, had a successful career in commercial real estate and, and led, you know, various firms. So I was always around it but I wasn't as in tune with it as I was with basketball. Basketball was the number one thing that I was focused on. You know, I always did well in school because I, I know that, you know, in order to get a scholarship or to get into to play basketball, I needed to have good grades. So there would be no limitations. So it was just kind of something that I always took care of. I was always curious about business, but I would say from that, uh, you know, 15 to 18, 19, 20 range. I was, I was really focused on basketball, but you know, other, other things, business wise, real estate or, or the stock market, you know, kind of got me curious and I would read into them, but it was my, my main focus was on basketball at the time. Mm -hmm. Just laser focused on the goal. And it's amazing that you achieved it. And, and, and people might look at you playing on team Canada, playing professionally in multiple countries. Maybe they might think that it was a straight line to getting where you're at, but uh, but clearly that wasn't the case. So it, it, in terms of, you know, getting into university, you end up uh, having a great career at Baylor, um, you know, continuing on the theme of, you know, having that one track mind and that, and that mindset to be successful as a basketball player. Were you taking business or finance courses while you were in school? Yeah. So that's a, that's a good question and a funny story. So when I got to Baylor, um, you know, long story short, I actually committed to Boston college out of, out of high school. Um, I went to a prep school in New Hampshire and did my SATs there because I hadn't taken the SATs cause I didn't get a scholarship offer. So I had to go for this semester in New Hampshire and then pivot from there, get the SAT score into Boston college. So while I was in New Hampshire for that semester, um, the coach there had a great relationship with, uh, with the coach at Baylor. So I ended up going to Boston college. The coach got fired. Long story short, I transferred and ended up at Baylor. So let's just, let's just say Baylor is square one because that year was a little bit chaotic. Um, I, I was enrolled in international business, um, at Baylor. And after the first semester, uh, we had to take eight semesters of a foreign language and I've always wanted to be able to speak another language. So I thought this is a great opportunity for me. You know, I have a little bit of French background because in Canada we have to take it to grade nine or grade 10. Yeah. Uh, the first semester of the, of the French class entry level at Baylor, I'm, I'm fired up to be there. The professor only spoke French. So I was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm in for it here. So 
long story short, after that semester, I ended up deciding that, you know, with basketball and the, the time commitment there, it was probably better that I switched my major. So I ended up just getting a Bachelor of Arts with, uh, with a specialization in health and human performance. Um, which was interesting and, and, and great anyways. Baylor is a, a private university and, you know, they require you to take, you know, a whole bunch of different courses. So I did, was able to take some business courses and, you know, take the math courses and history and all that. So it was, it was a broad, a broad undergraduate degree, I would say. Um, and then, of course, at the time I was there, you know, basketball, again, was the main focus, right? I'm, you know, quite a few miles away from home. Um, I'm there to play. I'm there to do well. And I'm, I'm still dreaming of this professional career. So I think just at the time and the age I was at in my mindset, that was, uh, you know, that was just kind of how the, the academic side of things worked out at that time. Yeah. So you're, you're progressing and, and improving every year on the court and, and making sure you're handling your business academically as well. In terms of your professional ball, you know, career aspirations. Was there an aha moment? Was there a, was there something that happened on or off the court that made you realize, oh, I can actually make money playing basketball, you know, over the next couple of years? Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, that aha moment for me was, um, in the summer before I went to Baylor. So I went to Boston college and then, you know, as a Canadian guy who's, who's playing in a, a division one school taking a scholarship you start getting on the the team Canada radar um and that was the first summer that I made the team it was it was 2010 um and I went to to Europe and we went on a couple tours and and in those tours you're playing against guys who are you know high level professionals in Europe um you know some of the you know teams for example like Spain had five or six NBA guys Rubio and Garbajosa at the time and Rudy Fernandez and the Gasol brothers um, so it, it was really that experience where I was like, okay, if I'm playing at this level and I can figure it out, then, then, you know, I'm going to be able to have a career. Um, but I think more specifically for me, just, just being self-aware, you know, of my physical makeup and, and kind of what I could do and what I could offer. Um, I, I became infatuated with the European leagues, the Euro league and, you know, the Spanish league and the Turkish league or top leagues. And I started studying players from over there and just kind of, decided when I was at Baylor, like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play in the EuroLeague. I wanted to play in these crazy arenas and, and, and do that because uh, I've always, you know, set audacious goals. But at the same time, I'm always real with myself. You know, the NBA, there, there's more to it than, than just, you know, having great points per game, right? It's about what position do you play? How tall are you? Can you cover? You know, it, it's, it's uh, there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, so I kind of decided just to focus on that. And then, it wasn't until my the end of my career at Baylor and, you know, you finish the season and you're, take, you're finishing up your classes and you start kind of training for that pre-draft stuff. So my goal at that time was, hey, I hope I can get a couple, you know, NBA team workouts, some pre-draft workouts just to show what I can do and maybe get an opportunity there, you know. So I ended up, uh, you know, going and training in Florida and I was, I was down there and I was just working really, really hard trying to figure it out, knowing that, okay, if it doesn't work, I'm going to be able to sign a contract in Europe. You figure it out an agent at the time. He starts kind of telling you, this is the ballpark that I see. This is kind of the salary range that we might get. Um, and then I didn't get any workouts. So, you know, that was obviously disappointing. And I'm asking my agent every day, you know, what's going on? How can I not even get one workout? Right. Um, and then the Timberwolves ended up 
uh, offering me a spot on their summer league team. So of course I jumped at that opportunity, went up there for a week of training. Um, and then we went to Vegas and, you know, the Timberwolves at the time, that was when, you know, Wiggins had just got drafted and, and you know, a bunch of young guys were, were studs. Right. So the first couple of games there, I didn't get, I didn't get to play. So I'm thinking, all right, this is just, you know, they, they got me here as a filler and, you know, a couple of the coaches there who, who I was able to build some good relationships with kind of just said, stay with it, stay with it. This is a long tournament. The guys here are only going to play a couple of games and then we're going to rest them. You're going to have an opportunity. Um, and after that second game, I started the third game and then I played really well. We won the game, started again, played well, won the game. So I had a good little stretch there at the end of summer league. And uh, immediately after that, you know, the coaches were coming up to me and telling me, you just made yourself a lot of money. You're going to get some great offers in Europe. Um, but they wanted me to come to training camp with them. So, you know, being in the situation I was in, I had just four years earlier gone from I was heading to Guelph to now I'm playing at Baylor in the NCAA tournament, elite eight, whatever, you know, and now I'm thinking, you know, I'm kind of drawing parallels between this situation and that one. Right. So I'm like, now I'm here, just got an offer to go to an NBA training camp dream come true. Don't care what happens. I'm not passing up this opportunity. You know, I don't know how many I'm going to get. I'm definitely going to go and give it my best shot. So, so I think though, you know, kind of those two moments, the one with the national team realizing, okay, I can play in Europe. And then to getting that opportunity in the summer league and then having a team say, we want you to come to training camp kind of, I, I kind of said, okay, you know, there is a way for me to make the NBA if I can, you know, be at the right place at the right time with the right team in the right role. So, so that's kind of, those were kind of the two moments that I, I said, Europe is, is a definite and I'm going to push as hard as I can to make the NBA. Yeah. Very cool. No, it's, it's a, it's an awesome story and how it came together. I want to pick up on your thread about uh, making money in Europe and, and go a little bit to those first early, early years when you were playing pro over there, kind of Bosnia, Italy, you're bouncing around countries. You start to get some dough in your pocket playing basketball. How early on did you start thinking about investment opportunities or just kind of plotting your moves away from the court? Was that instant or was it still tunnel vision on ball only? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a really good question. And, and, you know, being in Europe in those early years as a, as a 23 year old who just graduated university and now I'm finally making my own money. Um, I, I, I was always fascinated with the markets. I've always been interested in understanding what's going on from a macro level and, and, and trying to understand at that age, how certain events, you know, affect things. So when I was in Europe, I had a lot of spare times on my hand. Um, and I started reading Warren Buffett's letters to shareholders. You know, I, I had gotten some advice that that's a pretty great place to start. Um, so I just went back in the archives and I think I started it from like, I don't know, 2009 or something. And, you know, every week I'd read, read another year and just understand. And then I started listening to different podcasts about investing. Um, and it was there in, while I was away in Europe that I, that I, you know, kind of set up my own personal trading account. And I thought to myself, you know, what's been my best teacher over the years from a basketball perspective, and it was experience. So, you know, instead of going on the internet and doing a play money one where there's really nothing at stake, I thought, okay, I'll start small with some of what I've earned. I'll pick some great stocks, I'll invest, uh, and, I'll, and I'll hold these positions for a long time. So, you know, that was kind of my, my segue into, into investing and, and being interested in it. Um, and while also having the benefit of a ton of spare time on your hands in Europe, 
you know, outside of your, your one or two practices a day. Yeah. And how, so now the kind of culture of sport and basketball players are really celebrated for their side hustles and their off the court pursuits and kind of being more than athletes. How unique were you at the time? Like it, was it common in the locker room to talk stocks or talk side hustles or uh, like what was the kind of culture in locker rooms at the time? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Cause I know I, I, I guess it would have been five or seven years prior and the, and the documentary broke came out. Right. And, and so athletes had this stigma of not understand, not having financial literacy and, and not understanding how taxes work and how investing works and the time value of money and all, and all these different things. So, right. um, you know, to your point, athletes have made great strides in recent years and, and they even now are, are doing some, some crazy stuff. And, and it's unbelievable to see, um, from my perspective, I think it was, you know, I'd be lucky if I had a guy or two on every team that was interested in that. Um, you know, for the most part, you kind of see guys who are, who are playing at that level who are playing pro and all they really think about is basketball and it's kind of tunnel vision. And, you know, that's something we can talk about later, but you know, not many people that I had the experience of playing with had, had plans for five years down the line or outside of basketball or, you know, everybody's making great money now, but what are you going to do with that to ensure that you have a nest when you actually can't play anymore? Right. Um, but I was fortunate over the years to have at least one or two guys on every team that liked, you know, that was interested in it, that was an investor themselves. And, and, you know, we'd be able to bounce ideas off each other and I could learn, you know, from their experience if they were older and, you know, kind of share my view on things. Um, so it, it was fun, but, um, you know, definitely looking back on it, I think there could have been a lot more people involved in it, um, making smart decisions with their money, setting up their future. Yeah. And I think that's a common theme that we've heard with prior guests is, you know, in the locker room, on the bus rides to and from games and practices, there wasn't a, a huge, huge culture of people kind of being intense from, from a business standpoint. Um, so, you know, how did, how did you get that? I mean, is that a function of your upbringing? Is that a function of mentors that you currently have? Like what, what made Brady not only be, you know, laser focused on basketball, but also kind of thinking that, you know, basketball doesn't go on forever. And at some point a transition is going to have to happen into the business world. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, speaking on my, my early days, um, playing in Europe and North America in the G league and, and having those unique experiences, I, I was, you know, very focused on basketball, but I was so curious about those other things, right. Uh, business being one of the markets, understanding, you know, the importance of investing, understanding inflation. And if you leave your money in cash for, you know, your entire life, it's not going to, it's not going to yield you anything. And that's probably a bad decision. Learning those things, um, just by my own research and my own doing, um, you know, I think was, was beneficial to me. And it's something that, that really sparked my interest, right? You know, you can't, you can't force someone to want to read that stuff if they're just not interested in it, right? If, If someone only thinks about, you know, reading the basketball news and checking the box scores and, and knowing what, what's the newest sneaker that's coming out next week, then, you know, there's only so much you can do for someone like that. Right. Um, but I think for me is, um, I, I, I have always had this kind of long-term perspective, sort of forward looking, like, what does it look like one, three, five years out from now? I used to set goals in those increments and, you know, thinking about it from, from my early days, I don't think I was thinking about that, you know, 28, 29, 30 year old, 
transition out of it. But I was thinking, okay, I better educate myself on this stuff because it's going to make a huge difference. And now that I am making my own money, how can I save it and invest it wisely so that down the line, I have a great buffer to figure out what, what my next move is going to be, whether, you know, and, and eight years ago, I had no idea this would be the move, right? I always had thought about a master's degree and go back to school, specialize in something, figure it out, and you'll be great at, at whatever you choose to do. Um, but at the time, I didn't know those things. I just was curious and fascinated with investing and the markets and business and trying to understand it without a formal business education. So I think you know, though all of those things combined just kind of led me to want to learn more and more and more and ask questions and, and do research yeah. and do, figure it out. Yeah, cool. So let's talk a little bit about the NBA journey. So, so a few years ago, kind of the news comes out, Canadian Olympic Committee does this partnership with Queen's School of Business, help athletes transition from their playing days. Kind of where were you when you heard about this initiative to give um, athletes scholarships? And um, was it something that kind of initially struck you as something you wanted to participate in? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I, so what happened was, I would say it was probably two and a half years ago now, I was in Montreal. Um, we were there doing a training camp and we were going to play Brazil. And then we were going to go down and play a game against Chile. It was one of these windows qualifying for the, for the world cup. Um, and one of my teammates who was, who was a 10 year veteran also, and, and he was doing his MBA at Ryerson. He was just about to start it. And he told me about, mm. you know, if you play for the national team for so long and you build up this carding, um, they contribute money to if you want to further your education. So mm. I thought, great, let's look into that. Let's kind of figure out what it is. Um, and then, you know, he kind of told me he wanted to go to Queens. He's like, Queens is, you know, one of the best MBA programs, one of the best business schools, et cetera, et cetera. But he didn't want to have to study for the GMAT. So he's like coming from his playing days. How can I, you know, use whatever credentials he has and, and, and avoid that because it is a, you know, it's a little bit of a daunting journey and, and it, it definitely takes some time. Right. So, um, so that's kind of the time that I learned about it. And then I, when I got home from Turkey, let's say a year and a half ago, got home from my last season, um, I was still going to play with the national team that summer, but I, but I started thinking about it and I was kind of thinking one and a half years out. So I'm going to go and play another year. And then if I'm accepted and everything, it will line up perfectly. Um, spoke to the people here at Queens um, and I got some great feedback right away. And I, and they kind of said, look, it's not, it's actually not too late to apply for this year's intake, right? This would have been in June, 2019 applying for uh, January, 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, I've talked to a couple people that, that I, you know, are my mentors now and, and they had been planting that seed, you know, for three years now. It's right. It's like when, whenever you're ready, you should go back to school get some credentials, you know, have some credibility instead of just being Brady, the athlete, here's Brady, who was the former athlete, but who also went to a, you know, prestigious business school and grinded out a tough degree. Right. So cool. that really resonated with me. Um, and then just finding out about the opportunity with Smith, my mindset was, if I'm going to do this, I might as well do it at the best possible school I can. Um, I looked into some, some options in the U S just given maybe, you know, with a unique profile if I could if I could do that and it just made the most sense for me to stay home here I had been traveling for 10 years Queens is a fantastic school and um, yeah it's worked out awesome I've, I've loved every second of it and I'm definitely grateful 
um, for those programs like you spoke about with the partnerships. And I think that's a great idea. And I, my personal view is that more athletes need to be aware of it and take advantage of it. Yeah, that's cool. So you're, you're on your MBA journey, like as we speak, uh, crunching for exams, I'm sure. Like I imagine with your, you've got a very unique background relative to your classmates, right? Like, and there's probably some areas where you're ahead of them, life experience and communication skills, and maybe some technical aspects where they were a little bit ahead of you. Like, how do you just kind of self-assess yourself stacking up against your peers? Where were some like quick wins for you versus like maybe where did you find you needed to catch up a little bit? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think when I started the program, I was just you know, wide-eyed, I'm ready to absorb whatever comes my way. I don't have any problems getting along with anybody. I've had best friends, you know, from all walks of life. I've, I've been able to work on teams that are, you know, extremely diverse with guys who speak seven different languages. And, you know, we're speaking English just because that's the only language that the foreign guys understand, right? So I think all of my experiences through basketball kind of you know, accelerate, let's say my emotional intelligence. Um, and that's something that I, that I really observed here. Um, two things stood out the most. I'd say the first thing is, was my time management. Um, I, whenever I have the resources or the opportunity to, to knock an assignment out or a deliverable, I'm going to do it right away. I'm not going to procrastinate to the last minute. Um, and I guess my perception of an MBA program was that a lot of students would be in the same boat, but which was not the case. Um, you know, people are leaving things to the last minute and, and, you know, I, I saw numerous classmates just extremely stressed out about deliverables and not managing their time properly. Um, so I think, you know, that was one area where I really noticed right away that I was kind of ahead of the curve and I would just get things done and, and not really be in any stress state. It was an MBA program is a lot of work as it is. Right. So if I was, if I'm not feeling overwhelmed, with that, given what I was doing a year prior, then I'm, I must be doing something right in that in that regard. Um, and then the second thing is is like I said, the emotional intelligence. I think um, you know one thing that I didn't expect was that people would be scared of presenting here. Um, you know, hmm. I'm thinking we're coming in with you know an elite group of students from with you know amazing experiences who have have had really you know, great jobs and, and learned a lot. And, and I couldn't believe that people were, would say, I don't want to present. I don't want to present. And for me, I'm thinking like, we're all here doing this program. You should want to present as much as you can, especially if you're not good at it. Right. Um, yeah. so, you know, I, I don't know if it's, if, you know, it's maybe my, my, I don't really, I didn't care what other people in the program thought of me or if they were to judge me because I gave a bad presentation. I'm here to learn. I want to make as many mistakes right now as I can so that I can correct them and be better when I, when I do enter the professional world. So, you know, those are kind of just a few of the things that I've observed, you know, over the course of the program. You know, playing, playing professionally for all, for all those years and just being in a basketball environment for so long, you, you learn all these things that in the moment don't really draw parallels to the business world or the academic world. But, but once you're in it, once you, you know, you're in your MBA program and you're working in teams with your, with your classmates, you realize that you picked up a whole lot of stuff, you know, communication, presenting in front of people, dealing with different personalities, showing up on time. You know, I, I think those are, those are the rules to, to the game, no matter if it's playing pro ball or, or being in the business world. Um, so from, from our previous conversations, you know, you've, you've expressed an interest and you've, you know, been, been involved heavily in, in transitioning into, into the real estate market. 
uh, being a real estate investment professional. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so my, like I, I briefly mentioned before, my dad had a, had a career in commercial real estate. And I think, um, you know, maybe, you know, somewhere deep down when I decided to do this, I thought, uh, you know, part of me wants to be, have a career like he did and, and, you know, be able to give to my family the same way that he gave to me. Right. So, you know, maybe using that as a little bit of motivation. Um, one of my mentors thinks that it was passed to me through osmosis because, you know, he was, he was, you know, a great real estate professional. Um, but what really hit it home for me was, was having an opportunity to work at Oxford before the MBA program started. Um, you know, that was, that was something that I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if it was going to work out. And when the opportunity came, even though it was only for a four month stint, I thought, awesome, let's put on a suit every day, hop on the go train and figure it out, get down there and just immerse yourself in it and, and see if, if this is exactly what you want to do. Um, so I was working in the office leasing with the office leasing team in Toronto. And from the first day I was just fascinated with it. I had, I had been, you know, in Toronto growing up, I've, you know, been downtown in the core a million times, but it wasn't until I was there that I really, you know, started understanding, okay, you know, this building, this asset's owned by this company, this one's owned by this company. These they're competing, you know, understanding the office landscape. Um, the other thing was the people. I, I love that we just weren't sitting there all day. We were up moving, going to see spaces, going to, going to, to meet landlords or going to meet a broker. And, and it was just seemed like there was a lot of action. Um, but that that experience at Oxford really kind of got me fascinated with the industry, and I sort of decided from that point that that's something that I wanted to pursue. Um, now, obviously, my perspective's changed a little bit. You know, leaving the program, I'm hoping to. You know, there's there's a few different roles that interest me. One of them is development. Um, I think development is fascinating because the idea of you know being part of a team that is responsible for the inception and then the creation and then the standing of a building that's going to stand there for a hundred years or, or however long it is, 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 is fascinating to me. Um, I'm also fascinated with investment. So, you know, being on a, an acquisitions or dispositions team w would be awesome for me too. And then, you know, in my, my recent information search, uh, you know, asset management, I think would, would, would be another area that's really interesting to me, understanding the unit economics of a building and how you can improve those. Um, you know, so those are the three kind of roles and, and ideas that I've kind of, as I've learned and as my, my acumen's developed, those are kind of what I see myself trying to, to break into after this program. But um, yeah, I think, you know, just a combination of my dad being a real estate professional um, and then, you know, his friends helping me out now, um, it's, it seems like just an unbelievable industry and, and one that I, you know, I'm fascinated with. And what, what, what better way to kind of learn the business inside and out than, uh, you know, working for Oxford, one of the largest owners of real estate in Canada. That's a pretty, pretty good way to start. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the, as you're having discussions with folks in the real estate market and you're, you know, exploring different opportunities across those different verticals that you mentioned, you know, are, are you, are you trying to downplay the fact that you're, that you used to be an athlete or, or are you trying to play that up a little bit just to kind of differentiate yourself from the crowd? Yeah, that's something that I struggle with. Definitely. Um, I, I don't typically like talking about myself, I, especially given that I'm trying to break into, you know, an industry where they're the expert, right? And, and I'm trying to learn everything about that industry from their experience. Um, and I don't have very much to offer 
in that regard. Um, if they want to talk about sports or my history, great. I'm happy to do it. Um, but I think for me, it's more about, you know, learning about them, learning about their journeys, learning about the steps that they kind of went along the way. Um, and I, and I, you know, I try to draw parallels from my basketball career, right? It's, it's kind of like, who did I look up to when I was a player and what did I try to take from their game and implement into mine, right? So one thing I've found in this information search and, and networking with different real estate professionals is that everybody is so willing to have a conversation and so willing to share their experience, which is incredible. And I can learn so much from them and just hearing about their journey and hearing about the roles where they felt they had the most learning or, you know, maybe the roles where it set them up to, you know, move up in an organization or something like that. And so I can start thinking about those ideas now before I get in there and kind of start adding pieces of their journey or their advice into mine and, 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 t- and carry that forward with me. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Brady, uh, we'll get you out of here with some rapid fire questions. So just some quick ones here. We'll get, we'll get some short answers from you. Uh, do you have like a go-to source for inspiration, a book, a podcast, a website and business that you follow closely? Yeah. I, two podcasts I love right now, commercial real estate podcast run by the uh, guys at first national. I believe I love that one. Um, the second one is a master's in business by Bloomberg. I just think that the guests that they have on there fascinating stories. Yeah. Super cool. Is there another athlete that you watch or admire in terms of their business pursuits off the court? Um, you'd be hard pressed not to commend LeBron on everything. And I think, you know, setting up uh, one of the most powerful sports agencies, you know, production company, um, putting a lot of his, his close friends in in pretty powerful situations is, is well handled. I would say. Cool. Yeah. What Brady, what MBA exam are you most nervous for? I'm done it now. I took it uh, two days ago was uh, managerial accounting. I have I have nightmares about that. Uh, I think Matt can relate. We oh, yeah. uh, I think we had our fair share of <laughs> painful experiences with that. I don't think anybody likes managerial accounting for that matter. <laughs> Apologies in advance to all the managerial accounts. I don't even know if that exists, but in any case, um, if you could be the CEO for uh, you know CEO of any company for a day, in which company would it be? Right now, I think it would be Brookfield. I think there fascinating company and obviously you know a monster i think it would be interesting to to see the inside of there for a day uh if you had to start a business with one of your former team candidate teammates which one would it be um probably kelly olenic uh him and i came in at the same time we were rookies together and i think he's got a He's got a good brand, a good image. He's very recognizable with his ponytail and seven feet tall. So he'd be a good, he'd be a good partner. Nice. That's great. Well, that's it, uh, Brady. We're going to let you go. We really, really appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, from, from, from this conversation and, and previous conversations we've had with you, clearly you are not the, the one track minded uh, individual and you're, you know, you're focused on, on business and, and transitioning in, into the real estate market, and uh, it seems like you're you're plotting your steps very thoroughly and methodically. So we we wish you the best of luck, and, and hope to catch up with you soon. Thanks very much, guys. All the best. Thanks, Brady. <laughs>